Good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the house of the Lord and great to see you at home. Thank you. Whether you're watching us on your iPhone, Android, on the television, we're just honored that you're here and it is a joy to worship with you. Uh, put your seatbelts on. If you are married, we're going to save some marriages today uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're planning to get a divorce, you came to church the right day, all right? Because you ain't going to get that divorce today in the name of Jesus. If you're getting ready to get married, I'm going to break you up, okay? You're going to realize that you shouldn't be marrying that person. And so you're going to find out if they, are a, if, they, if they have a mindset of a me-centered marriage or a gospel-fueled marriage. That's my whole sermon today. Uh, if you are a believer, you should be moving toward a gospel-fueled marriage and not a me-centered marriage. Say that with me. We're not into me-centered marriages. We're all about gospel-fueled marriages. Two more times. We're not into me-centered marriages. We are into gospel-fueled marriages. One more time. We're not into... But we are into... There it is. There it is. If you're dating, if you're living together today, it's all right. We're going to work it out. We've got marriage ceremonies coming up this week just for you because we love you that much, okay? But you must first make sure whoever you're dating is into gospel-fueled marriages. You're not going to thank me today, but you will thank me five years from now in the name of Jesus. Anyways, um, today I want to really, really deal with this issue, especially um, if you're here today and you are a single parent. If you're here today and you're a single parent. I need you to know something. Let me just give you a little bit of where I'm headed. I need you to know that if you're a single parent uh, and you're dating somebody, you must make sure you're going to pursue loving the person you're dating more than you love your kids. Because you have a priority marriage, you have a priority relationship. When the Bible says you ought to leave, that means you have a priority relationship that's more important than every other relationship. And if you're not ready for that, not ready for that, then stay single. I'm trying to help you. I know you think I'm trying to hurt you, but I'm not. I'm trying to help you. Anyways, we're going to need Jesus. So let's pray. <laughs> and let's get started today. Don't you love that song where it says, no shadow, he won't light up. Don't you love that? Um, no lie, no mountain, he won't climb up. No lie, he won't tear down. Coming after you. Don't you love that? If you love that, just put your hands together. If you love that, God loves you so much, that's what he'll do. You love that, don't you? Woo! Now he's asking you to do the same thing with your spouse. No mountain, you won't climb up to get after them. No lie, you won't tear down. No shadow, you won't light up. Running after your spouse. That's a gospel-fueled marriage. Oh, it's all a setup. The whole service is a setup for you today. The whole thing. So here we go. We're going to pray because you're not going to like me at the end of this. But I'm not into a popularity contest. My goal is to simply make it as plain as I can what the Word of God desires for since we're going to need Jesus today. Um, Father, 
Will you guide us today as we go into your word? Thank you for not leaving us without revelation, not leaving us without a vision of what you desire for us. So now, will you please um, prepare our hearts? Will you allow us to de delay frustration? Delay, uh, God doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't know the whole story. Will you help us to delay all of that just to hear the pure word of God? We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. All right, let me tell you where we're coming from. Uh, uh, in our series so far, here's what we've said. We've said that the culture has, has, has kind of prevented us from seeing what marriage really is. We, we've suggested that there's this thing called marriage and that God has a vision for it. Uh, he has a vision for this, but we cannot see it clearly. We cannot see this clearly. At least we cannot see it from God's perspective because our culture has blocked, it has sought to uh, be a filter so that we cannot see clearly what this beautiful vision of marriage that God has for us. So in light of that, we've suggested so far that because the, so the culture is intoxicated with itself and because you are and I are intoxicated with ourselves, it's very hard to fully comprehend this because we are so self-centered. Number two, we suggested that um, um, entertainment. We love. Nobody wants to just pray, read your Bible, forgive people, love your enemies. That's boring. That's not fun. That's not entertaining. And so we can't really see the vision God has for marriage because we love entertainment so much. Because we're in a Western uh, civilization and a Western environment. We've also suggested that because we love autonomy, we love control, we don't want nobody else to tell us what to do, including the Bible. We just want to do what we want to do and what feels right to us. Because of that, we cannot see clearly God's vision for marriage. Uh, all I'm trying to do is suggest. Because we have uh, uh, elevated these idols in our lives, the idol of family and the idol of kids, we can't really see this clearly because our culture has created a filter and because of that we cannot see clearly. What I've, what I've tried to suggest is that the enemy is the master deceiver. And because he does not want you to know what this really is, then he tries to dilute it so that you'll accept something less. Every time you go um, to a wedding ceremony, here's what the pastor says. Listen carefully. Listen. Um, do you commit before God and these in individuals in the audience that you will love her as long as God grants you life? He continues. Um, will you love her and love him uh, in, in sickness and in health? Um, whether you are filthy rich or whether you're dirt poor. Whether they have the right money habits or whether they don't. Will you do this until you die? Will you set out to love this person no matter what? Be careful when you say yes to that. Be careful when you say, you're holding her hand. <laughs> Because then you made a vow to God, and God has begun the process of making the two become one. 
You don't do that. God does that. And when the two become one, listen to me, please. When the two become one, you don't do it. God does. And since God does it, you can't undo it. Just because your feelings hurt. Just because you didn't get what you want. Just because you have irreconcilable differences. That's because you have a skewed view of marriage that depends primarily on you. All right. So uh, let's leave this over here. And then let's go to a passage of scripture now that I think is going to help us. I've never gone to this passage to teach on marriage, but today. John chapter 5. Let's see if we can jump in there. John chapter 5. Let's see if we can learn something from the gospel of John chapter 5 on today. Here's what John says. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So there's a party going on. Watch the text. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, hold on, that means wherever this festival was, there was also a sheep gate. That means there's commerce going on. In other words, they're bringing sheep to be sold. Somebody is buying it. Somebody is selling it. People are making money. People are getting more, um, more sheep, and, and they're having some fun with commerce. It continues. But then there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethsaida. Let's, let's see if we can break this down. And by that pool, there are five what they call porches. They're, they're columns that, um, that are in almost a semicircle, and there's a pool in the middle. So now you have commerce, you've got people partying, you've got kids playing, and then there are these five porches where people can come and they can hang out. Now watch who was at these porches? There are five of them. I'm going to give you four of them. Uh, and by the way, these couples up here don't represent each of these four things. Okay? Number one, number one, number one. Here it is. So you have one porch that's for the sick. You have one porch that's for the disabled. You have one porch that's for the blind. And you have one porch that's for the paralyzed. Four, there are five um, porches, four kinds of people at each one of these Porches, watch the text, I'm not making it up. Then he says, then he says, then he says, no, a man was there who had been ill for, say this, say how long with me, please, everybody. How long has this man been ill? He's been ill for 38 years. Hold on, that, that bothers me. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, he's been there for 38 years. Are you kidding me? For 38 years, this man has been has been has been lame, and if he gets into this pool, he will be well. Once a year, legend had it that the, that an angel would come stir the pool, and whoever gets in would be healed. I have a question for this young man. You mean to tell me you know this angel is coming, and for three hundred and sixty? Four years, you couldn't make sure that you're right at the front, so you just fall in the pool? For 38 years, every year you know it's coming, every year, and you, and you, and you wait all the way back here, and then somebody get in front of you. You mean to tell me, mister, you couldn't stay there knowing that if you ever get in this pool, that you're going to be healed, and you, for 38 years, every year, 364 of them days, you didn't position yourself right? I wonder if there are any married couples in here today that's been stuck in a situation. And instead of getting help, you stay stuck in that situation. 
And instead of saying, well, I'm going to position myself, I'm going to get the right counseling, I'm going to get the right uh, mentor couple, uh, you just stay there wallowing in your predicament. I wonder if there's anybody. So, 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 so let's just ask a couple questions. The, the, the first thought I have on, these, on this young man is, you got to remember, you are who you hang around. You are who you hang around with. This is not in your notes, by the way. I haven't gotten to the notes yet. I'll tell you when I get to the notes. I'm just teaching. I like to do a little bit of preaching before I get to teaching, okay? So we're going to do a little bit. So, so you are who you hang around with. If you're a bitter person, that's because you hang around with everybody who's bitter. Because somebody who's not bitter, when you bring your bitterness, they're going to say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, bye. Because they're not going to fool with your foolishness. So if you're bitter, it's because you love bitter company. That's because you're hanging out with people who are bitter. If you, if you love unforgiveness and you love just talk about somebody, and it's because you love finding other folk who love to do that drama too. Because you are who you hang out with. Because if you get around the right person, they're going to say, hey, enough of that, man. You don't have nothing good to talk about? Let's talk about something good. Let's quit talking about somebody else. Talk about your life. You just don't like, you don't like your life so much that you got to talk about somebody else's? Then enjoy your own life. And then you'll never talk to that person again because they're not listening to your foolishness. Ah, ah. If you like, if you, if you, the, the statistics are absolutely clear in this. Whenever somebody um, comes to me and asks me, hey man, I'm thinking about getting a divorce. My first question is this. Who else in your life is getting a divorce? And there always is somebody else. Every time. You know why? Because you love to hang out with people at the same porch. Oh, l- l- let me say, let me say. That's, that's back in the Bible. You love to hang out with people who have the same Facebook group. <laughs> you love to hang out with people and all your friends. Anybody who disagrees with you, you unfriend them. You say, I, 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 don't like you. I 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 don't like you. So you can keep hanging out with the same people under the same porch for 38 years. Either that or you don't hang out with nobody, so you just twirl around your own mind and just say, I just can't. I'm just going to take it because she's too expensive to divorce or he's too expensive to divorce, so I'm just going to keep him. I'm going to keep him, but I hate every minute of it. You love negativity? Then you will hang out with people who love negativity. But if you love freedom, if you love dreams and visions, then you're going to find those people to hang out with. Why is it that so many couples run away from healthy couples who are trying to help them. That's because you love a self-centered, a me-centered marriage, not a gospel-centered marriage. You see, when you love a me-centered marriage, then all you're consumed with is you. You consume with your money. By the way, when you consume with your money, that shows you a whole lot of stuff already. Because that shows you that you don't even understand the Bible, that it ain't your money. You're just a steward of God's money. Amen. Somebody, somebody in the other day uh, with, a, with a pain-free dating class session, I uh, uh, call, and uh, we're on it. And they say, hey, Pastor Bo, but what do you mean? Suppose I'm like Jeff Bezos and I've got a lot of money and some girl comes in there and I like her, but I don't want to get all my money. Then, then what do you mean? I said, first of all, if you got that money, much money, and you can't live with half of it, something wrong with you. I said, number two, 
If you think it's your money, then you're violating God's word. It's his. Number three, there's no trust there. So you're really only getting married, not because you really, really love them and trust them, but because you love your money more than you love them. Let me come closer because I just lost a couple of Collin County people right there. I just lost a couple of y'all. Because you love your money, that's why you don't tithe. See how I get a tithe sermon in there? That's why you don't, because you love your money more than you love God. And you think it's yours. Because that's the author of a me-centered life. Which means you're going to have a me-centered marriage. Which means you're going to stay away from a gospel-fueled marriage. That's because you love to hang out with people. You ever notice how the people... I'm on it. Might as well I keep going. You ever notice how you love to hang out with people who don't tithe? Tithers love to hang out with people. People who don't tithe love to hang out with people who don't tithe either. So that they can talk about how they don't tithe. I just thought I'd put that in there. I'm done. Let's move on. Second thought. Watch this now. Oftentimes, when you see and you're in your affliction like this man, you get addicted to your affliction. Think about it. He's there for 38 years. That means he's not trying to get help for it. He's just there. So that means you, it is possible for you to get so addicted to your current situation that you never want to change your current situation. I wonder if there are any couples in here today. That you just, I give up. I give up hope. She ain't going to get better. He ain't going to get better. I'm just done. This is the way it's going to be. Let me just suffer for the rest of my life. Perhaps then you're addicted to your affliction. And then, and then you have a circular argument because then you say, well, well, I don't want nobody to know my business. So then I'm just going to keep it to myself because I'm trying to follow what my mama told me and what my daddy told me. Just don't share your business with nobody. So then you just stay afflicted when God is trying to give you the help you need. But you don't use the resources he wants to give you so that you can get the help so you can live the life he originally wants for you, which is a life of being naked and unashamed with your spouse. By the way, by the way, those who are not yet married, listen to me real quickly. If you have a self-centered, me-centered guy or girl, you're going to have a me-centered, self-centered kind of marriage. Okay, hey, uh, Corey, bring that, bring that, um, bring that uh, uh, illustration for me. Let's talk about it for a second. Y'all, I'm, I'm doing everything I can today to help you. I really am. You got to watch that you don't love your situation more than you love the solution to your situation. And that's my concern. We have too many, 50, 50 to 55% of marriages end in divorce. Watch this now. The next, the next 15% or 20% or so, listen are married and miserable. Them the ones I want to talk to. The ones that are married and miserable and don't want to do nothing about it. There is hope, but you got to get out of the situation by seeking the help you need. So let me see if I can help you. Here we go. So, the challenge that we have on the floor today is this. The J stands for Jesus. The U stands for you. Here's the problem. Jesus decided... That he said, hey man, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to simply love you with all my heart. So I'm watching you, Jesus says. And I went to the cross to die for you. Now listen, fam. That's you. That's Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to come down 
at your level, love you right where you are, go on a cross, die for you, so that you can have a relationship with me, and in light of that, with the Father. The only way you can have this relationship is because I came down to you, became one of you, rose on the third day, and now give you access to the Father because of my relationship with you. That's what he said. That's what he said. Everybody loves that. Everybody wants to praise God in that. Everybody thinks that's the coolest thing ever. Everybody enjoys that. Okay. Well, let's see if you're going to keep enjoying it. Hold on one second. Let's see if you're going to keep enjoying what God has said. Then he says, okay, now you're going to get married. So now Jesus says, okay, cool. Since you're going to get married, I love that. But please remember that marriage is not about you. Marriage is all about me. So he says, I want you to do for your spouse. So he says, he says, he says, I want you to clap the same way you just clapped. He says, he says, he says, he says, he says, Mr., 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 when, when, when you're all the way up here and you love me and you're serving me and your wife does something like a plum fool, what I want you to do, sir, what loving her looks like is exactly what I did. There's no shadow I won't light up. There's no mountain I won't climb up. There's no lie I won't tear down. Coming after you. So then you're supposed to get there. Then you're supposed to say, hey, boo, I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to stay on this cross. And then I'm going to get up because I'm not leaving you here. I'm going to show you what love looks like because I know what it looks like because somebody else did it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I know what you're saying. This is why the culture has impacted us so much. Because here's what you're suggesting. What you're suggesting is, yeah, pastor, but you don't know my situation. If you knew my situation, you would then say, I shouldn't do that. Here's, I don't know your situation. Here's what I do know. I do know your situation with Jesus. And here's your situation with Jesus. You cheat on him every day. And he still comes after you. You don't want to hear that, do you? What your situation says is when you had and wanted nothing to do with him and you're in the pit, he still came after you. He still loved you. He still, and by the way, be careful. Don't clap yet because those of you who are clapping are the ones who want to act a fool and then hope somebody will come after you still. Listen, that's not the point of this because the Bible then, Paul then says, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? The answer is may it never be. However, I'm not trying to defend the boundaries yet. I'm just trying to show you what real marriage ultimately looks like without the filters of our culture. It re- he devoted a whole book to it. There's a whole book in the Bible called Hosea that the dude, the, the, the girl is going on, on and on, acting a fool, acting a fool, acting a fool, and he keeps pursuing Huh. Listen to me, family. I don't care what you get from the culture. I'm trying to teach you the word of God. Here's what the word of God says. The word of God says, I want you to do for your spouse what I did for you. And what I did for you is, you acted a fool yesterday, and I still came after you. The problem with some of us is we don't think we acted a fool. That's the problem. Because you think 
your sin is not that big. Your sin of pride is not that big. That's what you think. And actually, the sin of pride is the biggest sin there is. Because from it comes all other sins. But you really full not, have not fully understand or grasp what God has done for you. And how wayward and wicked you were when he came to your level, died on a cross for you. Gospel-centered love says, I see myself as this man in the text, and I needed Jesus to help me. In the text, he says, Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. Why didn't he just say, now that you're healed, go tell everybody else? He didn't say that. He says, take up your mat and walk. Why does he say, take up your mat? Because he never wants him, one, to forget where he's coming from. Number two, he always wants everybody that was at that party, they know him by his identity was being on a mat, lame, and could not walk. So every time they see the mat, they're going to ask him, how are you well? To which, G, to which he's going to say, I know a man, his name is Jesus, and he saved me. Now stop, let me give you in your marriage now. You should always carry around something that reminds you of what Jesus saved you from. So that when your co-workers say, how can you love somebody when they've done that to you? You're going to say, I know a man. His name is Jesus. And because of what he did, I can love them because I'm simply doing what he did for me. And what you're still wondering about, because you can't see the miracle of what he did for you. But pastor, if you knew my situation. I'm going to talk about that. Just not today. Because I want you to see fully what this beautiful thing called marriage is. So come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Um, if somebody beating you up right now, you need to leave. Get out of that house right now. If somebody, if somebody's a serial cheater on you, you need to leave. Get out of that house. Because I know somebody's going to say, they're going to only show the first clip and not show the rest of the series because they don't really care. They just want to bl blast me on what I said, which is true. But they're, the boundaries you got to put in, which we're going to talk about next. I just want you to show you the clear picture of what marriage is, which is why if you're not yet married, you don't marry a fool. You don't marry somebody that you know this is the direction they're going in because you're going to have to die and die and die and die and die. And you're going to say, well, I don't want to die anymore. I don't want to be like Jesus anymore. That's why you be careful who you select. That's why not, it's not just how they look Amen. that matters. It's also the character on the inside. But if you enjoy dying, be my guest. Marry a fool. Die, baby, die. Looking like Jesus. That's what you need to tell some of your friends that want to rush you into marriage in a, with a fool. You're going to die. Multiple deaths looking like Jesus. Because that's what's going to happen. Because he's going to say, follow me. And follow what I did. All right, come on, come on. Come on. Let's get to your notes now. Since I'm halfway through the sermon. Let's get to your notes. Everybody ready? Um, let's see if we can get through it. Go to the front. If you don't have them, they should look something like this on today. And let's see if we can, having laid that foundation, 
walk through the process. Now, here's what the state recommends and recognizes. The state says, when you're getting married, the only three things I recognize, really, is the issue of money, the issue of sex, and the issue of meeting each other's needs. That's what the state says. The state says, listen, in essence, all the marriages, they leave Jesus out of it. In essence, all the marriages is, yeah, y'all, y'all, can, y'all, can, have, y'all can have sex, you can um, um, meet each other's needs and make sure the money is right, all that kind of stuff. Make sure you, you know, whatever he owes, you're going to owe, whatever you owe, he's going to owe, so on and so forth. That's all the state recognizes. Jesus says, no, there's way more than that. Five reasons people get divorced. Those three, role misalignment, role misalignment, and then the idea of conflict and communication. All right, so here we go. Look at the second part now, the bottom part. You ought to protect the core. From a purely secular perspective, you ought to protect the core. Say protect the core, protect the core, protect the core. Good. So when you go now to um, Genesis chapter 3, God tells you how to do this. He says, I'm going to lay out for you how you protect the core. Uh, One author calls it the laws of marriage. He says, here's how you protect the core. He tells you four concepts. Leave, cleave, um, become one. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Then he says, the fourth one is, you're naked and unashamed. Four things to protect the core, what the culture says. If you're going to bring Jesus Christ and have a gospel-centered marriage, there are four things that he says. He says, number one, I want you to leave. Number two, I want you to cleave. Number three, I want you to make sure that you're becoming one. And then number four, I want you to make sure that you're naked and unashamed. All right, so here we go. So he says, number one is, you got to leave. All that means is there's no relationship that's more important than your spouse. Your spousal relationship becomes the priority. It makes no sense you try to love your kids and hate your spouse. People do it all the time. But it makes no sense you prioritize your kids because they're the ones that's been with you. They're the ones that's love you. They don't have a choice. That's why they love you. So because they don't have a choice. They have to love you because you're paying all the bills and giving them everything they need. The spouse, on the other hand, you've got to have this mutual submission for this thing to work. So he says, make that a priority. Do not follow the path of making your kids more priority than your spouse. In other words, in other words, he says, don't walk out of the house. Uh, I give, give your son a high five. You have three sons. Give all three sons a high five. Kiss all your daughters and then say bye to your wife. Because then you just model that she's not the priority. You ought to kiss her first. And then say to the kiddos, all right, kiddos, God bless all of y'all. Because that's the priority. Be careful what you're modeling. Because if you model the wrong thing, they're going to catch it. That your spouse is not more important than they are. That's why they can play you. And they play against each, each of the songs. And say, okay, well, well, mommy will say this and daddy won't say this. And so they go to the one that they'll say because they know I'm going to create a fight between them. But I'm going to get what I want. And it happens over and over again. And you fall prey to it all the time. So the priority relationship, you must, you must leave. In-law shouldn't be more important. Nobody else should be more. Leave. And establish a unique bond between you two. Because when them kids gone, that's all you got is y'all two. Which is why divorce rates go up so high. All right, number one is leave. Number two is cleave. The idea of cleave is that you ought to pursue her, pursue her with all the energy in the world. You ought to pursue him with all the energy in the world. Give him everything you've got. Me, Senate managers, give the kids sports everything you got. 
Me-centered marriages give work everything you got. Me-centered marriages give everything else everything you got, but not your spouse. The text is suggesting that you ought to give your spouse everything you got. Pursue. I'm not hearing any amen. I only hear amens from these two up here. What's wrong? We all right, family? Everybody all right out here? Let me take a break and just say, Lord, help. Just say this with me. Lord, help us. That's all he can say. That's all he can say. That's all he can say. Okay, that's number two. You have to leave, then you have to cleave. Then um, um, you ought to, the idea of possessions, the two become one. In other words, in every area, they say the two should become one. Financially, the two should become one. That means, that means you can't have a hide account. I'm going to hide this from you so you don't know. I got my own thing over here. You got your own thing over here. And we just going to stay separate because you don't have no discipline. I'm, I'm not giving you access to everything. I'm going to do all this over here. You do all yours over there. That means the two are staying separate. Not the two becoming one. Which is why now you don't want to go work out the hard conversation. You want to stay like the lame man lame in the area of possession and you know where the enemy is going to highlight right where you're disagreeing with the word where the two shall become one can we have an agreement that you're a little better in this area than i am so i want you to manage that i I can have access i can see whatever and i want and you're going to manage the other deal why is it that you got married and now you'll be like, leave me alone. My money is my money. Your money is your money. Leave me alone. Spend what you buy. Spend what you bring in. I'm going to spend what I bring in. That's the two becoming two. Not the two becoming one. I, I know what you're going to say. Pastor, if you knew my situation, if you just knew it, you would know why I can't do that. No, I would know why. You got to go get help so you can be on the same page so you can go in the right direction. It's fine that somebody is not as good at one than the other, so somebody should have direction in one than the other. I get that, but just go talk about it and quit ignoring the person like they don't exist. And treat them like they're some some alien that you're so sickened of them because they can't handle money like you can. Just like they can do something well and you can do something well, then just leverage the complement of your gifts together. That's why the two shall become you, the, the person who is the saver is afraid to clap right now because the person who is the spender are going not talk to them for the next two days. <laughs> Let me clap at my own sermon. Preach, Pastor. Say it, Pastor. Say it! I ain't scared of you. Uh, the, la- the last one is the last one is the idea of purity, sexual fidelity. So you have sexual um, fidelity. You've got caring for your spouse and meeting their needs, and you got a financial part. The third one, the last one goes to the idea of purity, which is where you're naked and unashamed, which is where you have intimacy without fear. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the four levels of intimacy later on. But the, we're going to talk about that because so many people are, are afraid to talk about this. And they're afraid because, because we violated God's law before we got married. Now you've brought stuff into the marriage. And now it's all convoluted because your spouse don't want to do some stuff that you did in the past. And now you want to make them feel guilty because they don't want to do that. And now you don't know what to do because you're not satisfied. And now you want to tell him or her, well, this is how you really need to do it. But you can't say it because you might hurt their feelings. And now the enemy is having a field day. Oh, we're going to talk about that one this, in this series. No kids allowed that weekend. 
None. All right. Let's move on. Let's turn the page. Come on. Let's get through this quickly. Let's turn the page. Let me show you now. Let me show you now. Um, the warning signs you're headed for self-centered marriage. Listen, fam. Listen. If you are not yet married, you need to take notes on this side like you've never taken it before. Signs you're headed toward a self-centered marriage or signs that you're already there. Number one, you're coming from a divorced family. It's not that, it's, it's not that uh, God's grace is not, forget, it's not there. It's not that you don't have mercy. It's not that you can't have a great, incredible marriage after that. But you need to know that if you come from a divorced family, it's not an option for you. Because that's what you've seen growing up in your life is a divorced family. So you need to now gird yourself up. And go find some couples that says this is not an option for us. And have them mentor you so that as you're moving in this direction, it is not an option in your house. Because if you don't do that, I'm telling you, it's an option because that's what you've seen. And so that's number one. Number two, um, cohabiting before marriage. In other words, you want the benefits without the responsibility. The divorce rate in first marriages is about 40 to 50 percent. The divorce rate in second marriages is about um, 70, I'm not second marriages, people who cohabit, is 70 percent. And in addition to that, there is more infidelity than ever before. Just because you live together, listen, it's simple. Let me tell you why it's simple. If you don't care what God says before you get married, then you're not going to care what God says after you get married. So, so it's not rocket science. It's not, it shouldn't be alarming to you. You didn't care before. You said, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do this for the money. I'm going to do this for whatever. So you didn't care before. So why do you think you're going to care now? You're not going to. So that's why infidelity increases. That's why divorcing, everything increases. Because you thought that you knew more than God. Autonomy. Therefore, you didn't have to follow him. Number three. Number three. Um, ooh, please listen to this one. Weak spiritual foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, when they come from a weak spiritual foundation, there's some things they think that since you don't have a good relationship with God, there's some things that you think now should be met by your spouse, some needs. The problem with that is if you weren't having those needs met with God and from God, then you're going to expect your spouse to meet them. But your spouse was never designed to meet them. So since you're looking for your spouse to meet them, then you're going to squeeze them out of them, they're still not going to be able to give them, then you're going to ask for a divorce. Because they're going to say, you're the problem, because it's a me-centered marriage. You're the problem. You're not giving me what I want. And if you had given me what I want, then we would have been fine together. No, sir. No, madam. You have to get those needs of identity. Ain't nobody need to tell you every single day everything about you. You need to get that from God. He defines who you are. You don't get your purpose from, well, you just don't want to follow me and get my purpose. No, no, no. You get that from God. God's giving you a call. Not your spouse giving you the call. Your spouse is supposed to compliment you all as you move there. It's not their job to give you your call. That's God you should have gotten it from. So go back to your prayer closet, complain to God, where is my call, and leave your spouse alone. Acceptance. You get that from God. He accepts you 100%. You don't squeeze that out of your spouse. You get that from God. Security. You don't get it from money. I don't care what the culture tells you. You get it from God. Your money didn't help you the other day when nobody had power. You know what your money did? It sat in the bank and it couldn't help you at all. You get security from God, not from your no, 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 no. If your theology can't work in everywhere in the world, it cannot 
It cannot be true. So if you have billions of people operating broke, you can do. It's going to be all right. That's why your job is. I've told you this a million times. To teach your family to live with everything and with nothing. Oh, the, the power outage the other day? Oh, I love that. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great illustration for me. Let's see how we're going to have fun with none of the comforts in this world. Oh, that's a great setup. Don't, don't get mad at that. Don't call co-serve or whoever. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for this opportunity. Let me teach them spoiled kids how to live and how to make food without, how to, when it's cold. Yeah, this is how the rest of the world live. Let's enjoy this cold. Yeah, that's an opportunity. Don't model for them complaining to the power company. Model for them how do we have a great candlelight dinner in the midst of this opportunity. The better a leader you are, the the more they won't even know that the power is out. All they know is we're just having some fun in the midst of this darkness. I wish I had somebody that would agree with that today. Number four. Number, ooh, number four. I got to go quickly. Come on now. Uh, poor relational support. Uh, Proverbs, uh, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, uh, evil company corrupts good habits. You need relational support. You need people who come alongside you and help you. You need marriage mentors. That's why Corey and his whole marriage ministry were formed. Because they're going to come alongside you, give you a mentor whose job it is to help you navigate the hard times. And there will be hard times. And so since you know they're coming, might as well you have a, you have a team around you that's ready to help you. Because you need the support. If you just move from out of town and you're a couple making through, that's why we have community groups. So you can join a couple's community group and you can get to know other couples who are running hard after God so that they can support you in this process. Because we know the bottom's going to fall out one day and you're going to need the support to go through it. Number five, chronic criticism and negativity. Every time you give one, just practice this. Every time you give one complaint, give ten compliments. Every time you give one complaint, well, I can't believe. And say, so, oh, but girl, that dress, you working that dress right there, girl. You working it, working it, work. Work, work, work. And um, let's go. Um, number six. Number, if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. Um, uh, number six, number six, number six. Let's move. Uh, blame transfer. Blame transfer. You remember what happened in the garden? Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed everybody blaming everybody instead of taking personal responsibility. That's our assignment. Hey, man, it's not your fault. You didn't make me do this. I did this, and I'm sorry. It's my bad. I did it. I'm owning it, and I'm owning the consequences of it. I'm not blaming anybody else. No, you didn't create the environment for me to do this. I did this myself, and I am sorry. Number seven. Ooh, hey, if you're not yet married, listen to this. The shopper's mentality. You ever met somebody who can't be faithful? They just can't be faithful. They just don't know how. They have, they have trained their brains how to not be faithful. Which is why you got to watch out for people who have shoppers mentality. All they want to do is go from person to person to person to person to person. If you want to marry him, that's fine. Go marry him. But boy, you're going to live on a cross. You're going to live on the cross. Just every Friday is a cross day for you. Number eight, number eight. Come on, come on, come on. Number eight, uh, contempt and anger. That is, that is you, you move from just, I don't like the person, to internally you just despise the person. 
And there are too many marriages where people are walking around. They made my skin crawl. I just can't stand them. Just, just, they just do certain things. And, and you, don't let it, you don't tell them. It's just inside. This is, these are the noises that are going in there. You're not on the bathroom. You just, you just, you just. <laughs> you just can't stand them. Turn the page over. Come on. So how do you move from one to the other? Notice on the bottom was unhealthy, God-centered ones. You care so much about money. You're a poor steward. You're comparing yourself to everybody else. And so you want what they want. You ever have a husband that sees something that somebody else has, and all of a sudden he wants it, and he's going to do everything he can to get it? Or a wife that goes to somebody else's house, so no, you can't take her nowhere because you go to somebody else's house, and she sees something, now she's going to wear you out until she gets it. That's a me-centered man. That's a me-centered man. Be careful. By the way, in this sermon, don't say, don't, don't encourage me because then your wife, you're embarrassing your wife or you're embarrassing your husband. I'm going to say it! Don't, don't. Not, not this week. Not next week either. Not this week or next week. You're, you're communicating too much. You're communicating a little. You're like, say it! No, say it! Say, stay right there, dog. Stay right there. Stay right there, dog. I don't need your encouragement. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, perversion. Ooh, I could stay all day on this. Perversion is the dis- it is the distorted view of what God intended. This is where you're headed when you have a meat-centered man. Let me explain something to you. Eight out of ten men struggle with porn, pornography. Let me not use the short word pornography. Eight out of ten. Actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep, eight of us down. Anybody want to raise your No, don't. <laughs> Do you see how serious the problem? That's why we have a master class. That's why we have a master class starting on Monday where you can learn how to deal with this deal because it is tearing up marriages. This addiction to porn. Because you can't work it out and have a good discussion with your spouse. You go elsewhere to find it. And it's the Christian way. Because you're involved in nobody else now. It's just whatever choice you use. Do you see what I'm saying, y'all? So so you don't want to do the hard work relationally. So you do the easy work with somebody who can't talk back to you. With somebody who you just get what you want and you don't care about them. Which is the point in your marriage. You notice how nobody can say nothing right now? This side quiet, this side quiet, everybody quiet. I know you're yelling at home. Say it, pastor, at home. I know you're yelling in front. Say it, say it. Thanks for your encouragement. It's quiet in here. Ain't nobody saying nothing in here. So anyways, so, so, so it's the perversion of what God originally said. God said, I want you to be naked and unashamed. What does that mean? I want you to be able to talk to each other about any subject, anyone, anytime, I just want you to be able to have this conversation. And you can't. Here's all I'm saying. You cannot be like the lame man. You've got to go get some help. All right, so that's me-centered. Then you move up to, to, to um, gospel-centered or gospel-fueled. But notice, me-centered is always driven by pride. Notice that. 
It is pride. That's right. In other words, your inability to say, not me, but what God desires is what drives this. Every sin you commit is driven by pride. Everyone. Notice what me said advantage is driven by. Humility. Because every healthy relationship has humility. I don't deserve this. I am grateful that I even have an opportunity to be alive. I am honored that God was gracious enough to allow me the privilege to be with you. I am never taking the high road. I'm always taking the low road. I'm always racing to the back of the line because it is my job to put you before me. That's every, every healthy relationship starts there. And any one of the two parties that are prideful, it will never thrive. Because you think your way ought to be your way. All right, let's go. So, then it, then it goes to mutual respect, Ephesians 5.21, where we're submitting to each other. Then it goes to transparency and openness and honesty. And then it goes to a soft heart. Because you know what God has given you. Listen, <clears throat> the greater your experience of grace, the larger your capacity to give it. Let me say that twice. The greater your experience of grace, the larger your capacity to give it. Last time. The greater your experience of grace, the larger your capacity to give it. See, if you think Jesus didn't do a whole lot for you, it's going to show up in how you love your spouse. But if you know you are a wicked fool, and he came. See, the problem with most North American Christians is they don't think they're that bad. They think Jesus didn't have to do a whole lot to save them. They think, I'm pretty good. I mean, I feed the poor and I, and I go help some people sometimes. I'm doing pretty good. That's the problem. You think your good works is what makes you good. No, you're not. You're a sinner, a wretched sinner that demanded the grace of God to save you. And until you fully appreciate that, that's why you can't give it. You don't have the capacity because you think you're good. Unless you can see your spouse's drama as, listen, unless you can see your spouse's drama. When you look at them and you say, how could they do that? I got it because I do the same thing. Unless you can see yourself clearly and see that you are a sinner in need of a savior daily. Then you can't ever give her or give him. The same grace God's given you. And that's the reason for me-centered marriages. But what we're asking God for is no more me-centered marriages. But we're asking him for, say with me, grace-fueled marriages. So, 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 let's see if I can begin the process of turning this one around. So, um, if you go to the back, you're going to see the warning signs that you're headed for a gospel-fueled marriage and not a me-centered marriage. Come here. See, the, the, the issue here that we have is you have two things. Either, either, don't ask me where I get these props from, okay? Just know I got it. Praise the Lord. So either, 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 you're going to have a relationship where when you're getting weak because you don't have the strength and you're going to need the Spirit of God to refuel you, you'll come back to your word. You'll come back to God-honoring relationship. You'll come back to your intimate time with God to let him refuel you so you can love like he loves, so you can give like he gives, so you can serve like he serves. The problem is we have too many Christians that what they do instead is when they begin to feel uh, weak or drained, 
they just say, I don't need nobody because it's about time, life's about me. And so, no, you don't go get refilled, refueled. You simply say, you're going to do it my way or else. The grace of God demands that you consistently get refueled, which is why you need the word of God, which is why you need the people of God, which is why you need your own personal time with Jesus. Without them, you will always have a me-centered marriage and never a gospel-fueled marriage, which is why you must be a self-feeder from the word of God. And you cannot just get it by coming here and coming to Bible study and coming and coming and coming and going to your favorite community. You got to get it from you and Jesus one-on-one. Because that's where it gets fueled. All right, so come on. Let me give you the last deal and then I'm done. Here we go. Go to the back of the page and let's walk through it. The me-centered marriage says, I'm going to do me. Follow my heart and love myself. That's where it starts. The, the, the Christ-centered, gospel-fueled marriage says, God is at the center of my world. God is at the center of my world. The, the, for communication, the me-centered marriage says, I must be heard. You're going to hear me. I must be understood. Tell, I, you're not listening to me. Tell me what, I, I need to tell you. I need to, get, I need to dump my truck and let you know how I feel. The gospel-centered marriage says, I, I, before you hear anything about me, I want to hear about you. I'm going to delay my desire to be heard because I want to understand you. The me-centered marriage, when it comes to sex, says I'm going to, fulf- I'm going to fill my personal needs and desire. The, the gospel fuel marriage says unselfish honesty. It's more than physical. It's exclusive. It's safe. And it's healing. In terms of priorities, the me-centered marriage says, what's important to me? The gospel-fueled marriage says, orienting my life around what's important to God. The me-centered marriage, when it comes to conflict, says, I'm going to avoid conflict, or I want to to keep the peace. I just don't want want any more fighting. The gospel-centered marriage says, the goal is sanctification. That means I'm looking more like Jesus through reconciliation. I don't run away from it. I try to work through it. In terms of money, the gospel, the, the me-centered marriage says, I'm building my kingdom, I'm pursuing security through wealth. The gospel-centered marriage says, I'm going to work diligently, I'm going to steward faithfully, and I'm going to pursue, not its, but God's, God's purposes. That's what it says. So here's the question that you have to wrestle with this week before we come back next week and try and put some, put some parameters around it. Are you going to keep pursuing a me-centered marriage? Or are you going to pursue a God-fueled marriage? Are you going to become Christ? Because here's what Christ said. I want you to display to the world. I want you to be a witnessing tool. Your marriage should be a witnessing tool to the world so that they know what my love looks like. Are you going to keep on the path of me-centeredness? Or are you going to pursue the path of gospel-fueled Marriage. Pastor, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do it. I've never done that before. Then you need to go find a mentor, which we have marriage mentors to help you walk in that direction. If that's what you desire. But somebody might be saying, Pastor, I, I don't know how to do that. And for some of you, you don't know Jesus. So it starts with having a personal relationship with him. Now, let me explain something. You going to church in the past, and yeah, I grew up in church, don't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. That just means that you went to church. I'm talking, did he stop you in your tracks one day and says, you cannot live this way anymore 
I want you to trust me. Have you ever said, I re- God, I, I, I get it. I can't make it. I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm, I, I believe that you died on the cross and was raised on the third day. And I want to trust you. And I don't want to trust myself anymore. And I want to depend completely upon you. If you've never had that encounter, then you don't know Jesus. You just went to church. If you have never said to Christ, God, will you forgive me for my sins? Will you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? I believe, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I'm confessing confessing my sin and I want to live for you eternally. If you've never said that, then you cannot live a gospel-fueled life. You can't because you need his power through his spirit to be able to pull that off. Now, if you have accepted him, then now you need to allow the spirit freedom to move in your life. So if that's you today on your online and you want to pass, I need to know how to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I've just been in church. I know the lingo, but I've never trusted Christ. You want to know what a Christian looks like? A gospel-fueled marriage. You want to know what somebody who's perpetrating to be a Christian looks like? A me-centered marriage. That's what's at stake. So if you don't know and you've never trusted him, then today might be that day. On the, on the chat, just type in there, hey man, I want to take my next step. They're putting it out right now. All I want you to do is click there and say, yeah, I need to take my step. I want to talk to somebody about Jesus. Let's talk about it. If you're here and you need your, somebody to pray with you on your marriage, then, then right after church, I'd love you to come up and we'd love to talk together about how we can move in that direction. If you're online and your marriage is struggling, then will you please, will you please not just log off and go, but say, I need to take my next step. We need some counseling. I need to take my next step. We need a, a mentor. I need to take my next step. I need to go to, to the Oasis. We start an, o- an Oasis session this evening. Five straight days at a retreat center. We're going to be pouring into four couples over the next five days. Will you pray for us for that? They're all on the verge of divorce. And the reason we spend all this money to do this is because we want to save marriages through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we know when a marriage is healthy, that whole family is healthy, which means there's a generation that's moving in that direction as well. Will you pray for us for that family? Will you do that, please? Will you? All right. Um, so if that's you, um, Doug and Courtney is going to take over now, and they're going to simply give you the opportunity to accept Jesus or to get you help for your marriage. Because we don't want anybody else here lame, hanging out with the wrong people. We want you to get help and hang out with the right people. So Courtney and Doug, why don't you guys take it away with our online community. Take it away, guys.